Blog Talk Radio. Hey, folks, Merry, Merry I love saying that because so many times they don't let you say that. They just want to say Happy Holidays, so I had to piss everybody off and say Merry Christmas. You know, I, mean, I, I tell you what, and it is today. We are in the in the panhandle of Florida, so down here we don't get the snow like you guys get in most of the United States. But today it's it's gray, it's drizzly, it's a little chilly. It's probably 50 degrees. I know that's freaking you out, but it it actually feels like the holiday, and I'm excited about it. I mean, I have fun this time of year. My family knows that. Most of my friends know this. But this is where I get jealous of guys like my friend Richard Brooke, because he's up there. In in Idaho, where the snow is glistening, all the fun's going on. He's in the middle of the holidays. If we could see their office, they have all the Christmas decorations. You know, it's just a fun time. But on a serious note, I tell you what, if you have not had the pleasure of listening to Richard Brooke live, you guys need to go to blissbusiness.com. You know, Richard's the chief visionary officer of 2110 and OxyFresh. I just brought on a new VP of sales we're going to be talking about here in the near future. But uh, this man, this this year especially, has has helped me be able to transform my life. Now, you notice I did not say he transformed my life. He helped guide me through through his books, through his mentoring, through his writings, to, to dial in my business model, to dial in what I really want to accomplish serving others. And more than that, he provided me with Life Shots, which is the 2110 product. And not only has it, I think it's helped me health-wise. And, and he, he laughs at me all the time saying, how the heck do you know you drink so much stuff and eat so much great stuff, you're, you're just healthy. But here's what it has done. It has helped my mom. My mom takes this every day. And it has helped her stay focused in some of the most traumatic times of her life this year. And I and I, I got to tell you what, there, there's no you can't put a price tag on that. It's not that every product I've ever tasted has done that. It's not that every product I've given my mom has had that effect. But when it does, I've got to talk about that. And if you don't know anything about 2110, you can go check out 2110.com. No, I do not have a position that I'm building with that company. But I'm telling you what, when I look at the the people this year that I got to hang out with that have made a difference in my life from from Lisa Eminez to Chris Widener to Richard Brooke to Janine Avella, I'm telling you, there's some rocking people over there at that company. I will say that. But we're in a cool chapter. This right here, Middle of the book, I actually measured this, so this is like the middle chapter. The Art of Deciding, Convenience or Commitment. I read this and read this and read this and read this. This could be the most important chapter. It could be a, a, it could be a show you need to go to iTunes and download, and here's why. What, what Richard's going to share in here is not that it's anything new, especially for somebody that's been in the military. But it's, it's written in a way that you understand it. Listen to this right here. Richard says, In our developmental years, we form our personality. These years encompass parental through, or, or, uh, prenatal through age five and perhaps longer for children who are slow to develop. That's probably him and I. 
But during these childhood years, without the vast background of context and reason that we have as adults, what we end up doing is we tend to experience events and we decide who we are versus deciding what happened. Now, I can take you back. I am one of these individuals that after reading some of Richard's stuff, some psychology stuff, some of Tom Hopp's stuff, I realized that I am a really freak. They could have made movies like Frankenstein about me. I grew up in a in a time period and in a family with massive amounts of violence. We went to family reunions and usually we we ended up with my uncle shooting each other or or in one case my dad who had just gotten back from the military carried a 45 with him everywhere sitting there waiting for what could have been happening. Here's all we all of us kids. I remember spending a night at my aunt's when she caught her husband screwing around on her and busted a Coke bottle over his head. Now, I don't know about all you, you, you Generation Y and Xers, but baby boomers remember when Coke bottles really were used as weapons because they were so thick that they hardly ever broke, and she broke this one over his head. I remember my dad one Sunday morning getting up and reading in the paper where my uncle Mike and his brothers have been executed gangland style. You can actually read about that one in the Encyclopedia of the Mafia. So I grew up thinking that violent actions was the way to go. And very quickly as I got into school... I decided I didn't want to be that kind of a person. See, most of us, as Richard's saying, we decide who we are versus what happened. I decided at a young age I was a violent person. I mean, I I had no problem with that. Like Richard, I would lie in order not to feel the pain of telling the truth. But I also learned that that's how you got away with things that you wanted because I saw a lot of my family members do that. So when I started looking at this chapter, you can just imagine some of the flashpoints in my life that came roaring back into my memory. But Richard brings up one that maybe more people can adapt and and understand. He says, here's an example. He goes, might be that a three-year-old boy bugged Daddy to let you sit on his lap while he was reading the paper. He was stressed, tired, and very interested in what he was reading. And also, he was unaware that the slightest discord on his part would actually lead you to form a lifelong personality. So his reaction was, not now, and he was a little stern. You as a three-year-old freaked out. You felt rejected. You decided in that moment, I'm not enough, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not loved, or I'm not worthy of love. It's a subliminal bam. It's like being branded and it's on your mind. Richard calls this I aming. I am not good enough. I am not loved. I've done so much work with with people. So much work, especially in the bail bond days where I would bond out call girls and I would bond out hookers. And I remember one day bonding out a little 17-year-old girl. She actually still had all her teeth, which 
by the time of 22 or 23, most of them had their teeth knocked out. Not at all what you see on the Hollywood movies. Not even the high-priced call girls most of the time. And I remember sitting there. And I said, why did you choose this path at such a young age? You're a gorgeous little thing. And she started crying. She goes, because this is all my dad and uncle say I'm good for. Now, I don't know when her abuse had started, but she was already on the streets at 17. See, I understand what Richard's talking about. In in helping get some women into safe houses as a bounty hunter, and you'd, you'd ask them, why have you taken so much abuse? And they'd say, well, it's all my fault. He didn't mean to hurt me. I, I'm just, I, I deserve this. I have a good friend of mine who is one of the most successful network marketers I know. Sadly, in the last three years, he went through a divorce. And as we were talking one day, I said, man, I had no idea, bro. He said, I kept it hidden. He goes, I felt like it's just what I deserved as the husband. And what he was talking about was a physically violent wife who had left scars on his body. See, when I when I looked at this from that standpoint, and then I started thinking about how many people self-sabotage their success because of this this personality that they've created a long time ago where they feel, I am not worthy. I thought, wow, this chapter that Richard is talking about is huge. It's a potentially permanent decision that we make about who we are at an age in life with parents that probably are as clueless as we were. And we make a decision that we are not even capable of making, but yet our brain burns it into us. And most of us go around never realizing it. Do you realize that only 10% of books that are bought are ever read? Another freaky thing I do, because I spend thousands of dollars a year, even when my budget is tight, to educate myself, to become better. See, I understood again what Richard was talking about because growing up, I didn't feel like I was worthy to go to college because my mom and dad couldn't afford it. I couldn't qualify. That's when I went in the Marine Corps. And then I realized in the Marine Corps that they understand this stuff that Richard's talking about, and they changed my mindset forever. There's a movie, and I shared this earlier on, Gill House hates it. But it's called Firebirds, and Nicolas Cage in that movie, every time he gets in a simulator, every time he gets behind the chopper, says, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. A lot of people would call it ego. And I started thinking about this as I was reading Richard's book, because we are taught, don't don't be egotistical, don't be proud, don't be, and I, and I know some of my Christian friends right now are freaking out because they're saying, well, the Bible says don't be proud. Well, I understand all this, but listen to me. You better be focused on who you are and what you are because it, today you've got to make this decision to change the I am not good enough crap in your life. I can't do that. I'm not worthy. What Richard's writing here will penetrate, if you will accept it, 
and work on it. It, it, it. Look, one little book we all know is not going to change your life, but it can sure be the catalyst to move you forward. Richard writes this. He says, out of these decisions, we form a personality either to keep the decisions in place or to actually rebel against them. I wear a bracelet on my right hand that says rebel. I have more tattoos on my upper body than most people have on their whole body. I wear an earring in my left ear. Everything on my body has a reason. You want to know why? Because I did rebel against my upbringing. I rebelled against all the crap that I had to go through at school. Didn't really go through it at home. I mean, you know, it was typical stuff. But I rebelled against that concept of I'm not good enough. My parents didn't have the the big house on the right side of the tracks or whatever the case was. I made that conscious decision. Screw what society says is okay or not okay. I went out there and said, I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to make a difference in my life one way or the other and started out, I can remember, 12 years old. This was not something that just happened in the Marine Corps. I can think back at different things in my life. I call them flashpoints. They're things where you remember good and bad. And it makes such a huge difference. But see, you've got to make this decision today. Being a maverick, being a rebel is not a bad thing if you're doing it for the right reasons. Matter of fact, there's a men's magazine, a good friend of mine launched, called Rebel Magazine, telling men, make a stand, be different, grow some hair on your head or something. See, here's what happens, and Richard nails this one. He says, you will either succumb to your decisions that you're not worthy of anything, or you'll spend your life trying to prove to yourself that it's not true. Either way, there's no freedom in that personality. No peace, no authenticity, no power in life. Just a constant struggle. But then listen to what he says. He says, P.S. Motivating a not good enough who rebels against it is easy. Just tell them that they can't do something. Insinuating they're not good enough and they will do whatever it takes to prove you wrong. Until I joined the Marine Corps, that's exactly what I did. Somebody said, you can't win that contest, I'd win it. Twelve years old, I wanted that trophy. My mom, in the middle of winter, helped me sell more Christmas cards than anybody else in school. I got the bug for sales. By the time I was in high school, I had sold Mason shoes, which, by the way, are great shoes, still in business today. A single-level program, not multi-level, but I'm going to do some reviews on them next year. I started building TVs. You realize I went from building TVs, learning how to make bombs? It's amazing what you can do with electronics. I wanted to rebel. I wanted to be better. I knew there was something deep inside of me. When I joined the Marine Corps, they took that rebellion and they honed it and they put it together. And they made it something. You know, I'd go through school purposely looking for a fight, wanting to find out who was the toughest guy that was beating up on little kids because I knew that, man, I know that feeling those little kids had. We had a, a slow, what we called retarded back then. Heck, I don't know what they call them today, so I'm so politically incorrect. 
But man, that kid, he had, I mean, guts. And he worked for the school, and he'd be the maintenance man, and he'd clean stuff up. And we had one of those golden glove boxers one day making fun of this kid, smacking him around, and the kid was crying. And I just looked at the dude and said, man, why don't you pick on somebody that can do something about it? And he starts talking about all his boxing and his golden glove and all that. And I said, okay, that's cool, but see, you don't know have a clue who I am, and you don't know what I can do, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I hate pain more than anything in the world, so I don't like getting hurt. And one of his buddies was smart enough to realize I had nothing to prove and nothing to lose. If I didn't like pain, I guarantee you I was going to be swinging and kicking and biting and chewing just as hard as I can because my daddy taught me one thing. There is no rules when it comes to street fighting. See, that rebellion, that, that, that anguish inside of, of that Richard's talking about here where there's no peace, there's no authenticity, there's no power, I live that. Because I knew I was better, but man, words can kill you when you hear people say things. I told you I had a history teacher told me I could be anything under the sun, but I had an English teacher that was a bitch and told me I'd never amount to anything. Which one do you think permeated at 16 years old? It was that teacher. That English teacher that made fun of me as I was trying to quote Shakespeare in front of a class of 15 people. And now I speak in front of hundreds. That didn't happen overnight. I know what Richard's talking about. This, this brings so many emotions up inside of me. Because sadly, I watch people, and they don't make the right decisions. All they do is go through, I am mean, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm stupid. If I was meant to have that, I'd have been born that way. I mean, on and on. And then you want to know what happens? The few times that they try to break out, and it hurts, because they still don't know quite what they're supposed to do, and somebody knocks them back down, all of a sudden they stop. Richard puts it this way. He says, we make these decisions because it seems like a good idea at the time. We call this a decision of convenience. We try to make the right decision, but the pain gets so intense that we go backwards. I think this is where it comes in, no pain, no gain. Richard goes, you've got to make the decision of commitment, not a decision of convenience. He writes it like this. This is the kind of decision that produces results and permanent change. See, listen, folks, you have got to change your habits, your rituals, your mindset, your thoughts, your limiting beliefs in order to transform your life. Transformation in your life doesn't happen until you make a change. I'm, I'm going to bring some biblical perspective into this. You guys know how I am. Jesus died on the cross. Now, now, look. If you're not if you're not into the Christian thing, just bear with me a minute. This is our belief. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That doesn't get us to heaven. Understanding that, knowing that, doesn't transform our life. See, in order to have in, in, in the Christian faith, okay, everybody's faith is different. In the Christian faith, in order to get to heaven, 
You've got to accept the gift that he died for our sins. And then you've got to make a conscious decision to say, you know what, I'm going to start living a different life. I didn't say a better life. I said a different life. By living a different life, looking at the principles and precepts and promises of the Bible, understanding the hope and opportunity that's presented there, all of a sudden, after, after well, in my case, I've been at this for a long time, and my life's still transforming because I screw it up every day. But you start to transform your life. The same thing rings true with what Richard's talking about right here. Once you make the decision of commitment, once it's resolved, once you say, I'm going to do it, there's no going back, there's no failure, I'm not going to tolerate anything else but moving forward, then you start to transform your life because you've made a change in your mindset. It took 12 weeks for the Marines to move me from a maggot to a Marine. But they did it. They ripped out everything inside of me that I thought was tough, that I thought was real, that I thought was was reality, and they changed that mindset for me. And now 20-some-odd years out, it's still that way. Art Williams, one of my mentors and Richard's mentor, used to have two sayings. His first one was, all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. All you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. The problem is most people weren't doing all they could do. So see, if you take what Richard's saying, and I'm going to put it just in the simplest forms, if all you can do is all you can do, and all you can do is enough, then make sure you're doing all you can do. Which would what? Would mean you need to start reading some good books, listening to some good speakers. Maybe just go, if you can afford it, go get some counseling. Second thing that Art Williams always said is just do it. Just do it and do it and do it till the job gets done. Just do it and do it and do it till the job gets done. He'd say, you know, the only difference between a $500,000 a year earner and a $50,000 a year earner is their commitment. Now that's simple. Richard's giving it some direction. Our poor guy's just a little football coach. He didn't give direction. He just said, there's the end zone. Go figure out how to get down there. See, a decision to commit involves the distinction of commitment, which is the decision to do something no matter what. See, it goes beyond just do it. It's just do it anyway. Just do it until the job gets done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use marriage here for a second because that's something that I can guarantee you that I, I, after 24 years of marriage, I still don't get it right. But I made a commitment on July 31st, 1987. And that commitment... To sum it all up, said, till death do us part. So hell or high water, I made that commitment. And although sometimes things look better on the other side of the fence, the grass looks greener, looks a little bit more plush. I know it's just as hard to mow, so I might as well keep nurturing, cultivating, trimming out the weeds in the commitment that I made. Same thing rings true in business. This this just burns my butt to no end. 
is I see people all the time. They're in this company today and that company tomorrow and this company next week and that company over there tomorrow and, and, and 15 different income streams rolling through the door at one time. And I look at them and say, where are your commitment at? You want to know what I hear? I'm committed to me. Oh, that's another one of those IMing things Richard's talking about. Your commitment is to you, but you don't have a clue what you're doing because, see, you can't serve two masters at once. I can't go out there and, and join 2110 and, and say I'm going to build 2110, and then and then my friend BK flies me into Phoenix and says, I want you to build this company too. Now I'm building two companies for my two good friends. That don't work that way. Matter of fact, because it doesn't work that way, I decided instead I'd become an advocate in the industry, and I'm just going to celebrate the whole freaking industry because I love these people. But it makes sense. See, when you look at the profession that we call network marketing, where we live, and you're committed to it, then you find a leader, and you find a company, and you find a product, and you know what? The rest is history. That's why guys like Dexter Yeager has been with the same company since the dawn of time. Why Jim Dorden has been with the same company since the dawn of time. Why guys like Garrett McGrath are with one company building it strong. But you want to know something else? This is going to step on some people's toes. But this is why people like Danny Johnson, who's on Fox and Friends this morning, spreading love about her new book, talking about all the types of income that there is, and the fact that she got started building her income at 17 and, and two years later was a millionaire. But you know what she didn't do? She didn't proudly say, and I did it with network marketing. That's how she made her first million. The rest of it's been as a trainer. Kind of, kind of get you off when you when it's that way because you say, "Dad, God, man, aren't you proud of where you made your money?" You talk to Richard Brook, and I'm going to tell you what he's going to talk about the community of network marketing. Now he's going to get real passionate about 2110 and Oxyfresh, but he's going to talk about network marketing. Matter of fact, we've got a book, Mailbox Money, we'll do the first of the year. See, the commitment is earth shattering and it hurts. There's no pain, there's no gain. Richard wrote this in 2005. He said, commitment, aligning the mind, the body, and spirit in one singleness of purpose to not be denied. I want you to know something. If you're with Oxyfresh or 2110 and you're on this call, you need to let your chest get a little bit bigger. Ladies, please don't be offended. And you need to be proud of that company, of that leadership, of the commitment. I've had the privilege of talking to Richard in private, and he shares such great stories. I'm, I've got John Riddle, who lives here in, on the island with me, and we're going to be meeting. We keep missing each other. Successful 2110 distributor. We're going to meet at, matter of fact, we're going to meet at our coffee place called Badass Coffee. My wife gets mad at me. She says, you just like saying naughty words on the radio. But that's the name of the coffee place. John's so passionate about Richard and 2110 and, and what they've done to transform people's lives. I don't care what company you're with. You better be that passionate. You better start today getting passionate about the commitment of change in your life. We have about three weeks before the first of the year. There's no reason under the sun you can't be ready to go now. The art of the decision. It's not about convenience. It's about rocks, 
solid commitment. And when you're willing to go through a little bit of pain or a lot of pain during the circumstance, you'll come out the other side better. In Proverbs, in the Bible, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so does one friend to another. Every time I get my butt chewed out by Richard Brooke, every time he gives me a, 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 a kudos for something I've done, it sharpens me more. Every time I read a chapter in his book, I become a little better because I apply what I've read. Folks, I tell you what, can't beat this book. This is You need to go to blissbusiness.com. You need to buy this book. I, there's no affiliate. I'm not getting any money off this. Okay, you just go buy the daggum book. Tomorrow, we're going to go into the new screenplay, how to make that decision to make a commitment, now how to start changing that movie we play over and over. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow for RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now.